No matter who you are, we all have our fair share of good and bad days. But in the midst of the beauty and chaos, life is filled with kindness, compassion, and purpose. Hi, welcome to the Amy Jean White podcast. I am Amy. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about Jesus, and I'm here to share kindness, compassion, and purpose through real and open conversations with some of my closest friends and mentors about life's challenges, celebrations, and everything in between. My hope is to walk beside you through your deepest and darkest moments by talking transparently about some of my own deepest and darkest moments but to also encourage you that even in our darkest moments, we have a light that's incomprehensible and incomparable through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so excited for you to join me on this journey, and I hope that God speaks to you through every episode. friends, welcome back to the Amy Jean White podcast. I am Amy. In last week's episode, I shared that I would be releasing an entire episode sharing the story of my daughter's birth. And so this is the episode that I will be unpacking all of those details. I have invited Mr. Jonathan White, who happens to be my husband, my best friend and father to our sweet daughter, Macy Jo, to help me unpack all of the crazy details involved in this story. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. This is my first ever podcast, and it's a journey. So last week, for all of you listeners, I had my mom on the show, and so I just thought that it would be super fun to carry on the special guest invitations, and so I obviously invited the number one special guest in my life, as you heard, my husband. Before we get started, though, I do want to give a tiny disclaimer that some of the details in our birth story are pretty traumatic. So if there's any listeners out there who might have some birth trauma PTSD, please proceed with caution. But without further ado, let's dive in. I feel like this has been a story that we have shared with our church family our actual family, and our friends so much that we kind of get to relive the moments before and leading up to her birth a lot. I always love to see people's reactions when they do hear about it because it isn't your typical movie moment birth story. I think if a movie ever was filmed about Macy's birth, I can almost guarantee that it would be a number one hit. You know, it's honestly such a wild story because we were, what, 45 minutes apart at the time of her birth, so that definitely was not part of the plan. No, it was not. I was not expecting to wake up that day to become a father, but I was just getting off of work, and the call came in that things were happening, and the hospital was 45 minutes from where we lived. Every day, I drive up and down 35 Highway, which is where the hospital is located, and I visibly see it to get a reminder. And so, you know, honestly, I don't think that anything about my pregnancy or Macy's birth went as planned. You know, I was diagnosed with preeclampsia at my 27th week, and it seems like from there, everything just continued to get more chaotic. You know, I feel like 
at times I was definitely a crazy pregnant lady. Oh, you weren't crazy, but you definitely had your moments. But overall, I thought it went okay. I was able to channel my own emotions. Sometimes it was hard because of moods and things, but I thought I helped you in all the ways I could. You know, I think definitely if it weren't for you, I would not have gotten through my pregnancy without all of the help that you gave me. And you did a really nice job at just not taking things personally when, you know, I was kind of a monster. Um, <laughs> but even even if I handled things better than other times, there was definitely times that I wasn't that great. Like, after I was diagnosed with preeclampsia and I was hospitalized for three days, um, I was also placed on complete bed rest at that time. And I remember that it just drove me so crazy not being able to do much. You know, like I can't just sit there and do nothing like I was instructed to do. Yeah, that's very true. You did not know how to sit still. Remember early in your pregnancy about the applesauce? Oh my gosh, you guys, he literally cannot let that die. So you know how they say that pregnancy cravings are real? Like, I definitely learned that the hard way. I was about 12 weeks pregnant, so very early on, and I had the strongest craving for applesauce. I don't even like applesauce that much, but I absolutely had to have it. And I looked everywhere in the house, and I could not find any. But I decided that I needed it so badly that I was going to go to the closest gas station and see if they had any applesauce. It was cold outside, like midwinter, and I really did not want to get out of the house into the cold weather. Plus, I was dealing with the absolute worst nausea that I have ever experienced, and, you know, it was terrible. But... I needed this applesauce. It was life or death. So I went to the gas station and honestly thought that they would have it because it's like a staple in America. You know, who doesn't have applesauce? Well, come to find out that they did not have any applesauce. So I was like, well, I'm already out. I'll just go, you know, over to a convenience store type gas station and surely they will have some applesauce, like even in a travel size. But here we are. I did not find any in that store. So at this point, my pregnancy hormones were absolutely taking over me and I was getting really frustrated and upset. I gave up and I drove home in tears because I could not find my applesauce. And then you went into the kitchen and opened up one of the cabinets and sure enough, there was my applesauce. I think at that point, though, I was just too sad to even eat it and just ended up grumpily going to the bedroom. Yeah, it was pretty bizarre because we rarely buy applesauce. So kind of funny that we had some in the house. So anyway, fast forward to the week that led up to Macy's birth. After I had been diagnosed with preeclampsia, I was hospitalized for three days so that they could keep an eye on my blood pressure. One of the most common signs and symptoms of having preeclampsia is extremely high blood pressure. And I think mine was somewhere like 190 over 100. So while I was in the hospital, we were also told that we needed to start preparing for an early arrival. 
The doctor told me that she would like to schedule me for weekly biophysical scans, which is like the anatomy scan that they do around 20 weeks gestation. And the results of those scans would basically determine how early Macy would need to be delivered. And so we took this information and I was discharged and my first scan was scheduled for the upcoming Wednesday. And so this was also the week that I had been placed on complete bed rest. So we went home and I remember that week being filled with so much chaos because it was also like really close to our moving date. So we had like no space in our apartment and my mom was coming over so much just to help with packing and cleaning since I couldn't do much. I did my best to keep up with housework, but it was just hard to do. Yes. And so here comes Wednesday and I go to the doctor's office to have my first biophysical. And I was a huge nervous wreck because I remember feeling like relatively fine, but just having the additional doctor visits and scans that I had never heard of before was really adding a lot of stress to my body. You know, I think the scan lasted maybe 20 or 30 minutes, and I remember when the technician told me that everything looked really great, I just felt so relieved. So we went home, and I once again returned to boredom at home on bed rest. And, you know, I remember we were so blessed, though, to have the friends that we did at church because... They heard of my news and they started a meal train, which helped tremendously, but we did end up eating a lot of chicken noodle soup. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we did. But it was nice getting meals that week. One of the meals that I was really looking forward to was enchiladas. And sadly, that particular meal was the night that Macy was born. So we did not get to have that meal, but... We did get to meet the cutest little baby in the world. I may be biased, but she is. Well, I got to meet her. Yeah, so I will definitely get to that part in a second. I do want to talk about what happened from my from the time of my biophysical scan on Wednesday to two days after on Friday, which was the day that Macy was born. And so when I got home on Wednesday evening, I pretty much just felt so tired that I went straight to sleep. And so then on Thursday, um, it was a really laid back, chill kind of day. You were at work and I spent the entire day with my mom and she bought me some lunch and not a lot happened, which was really nice because at that point in my pregnancy, blinking pretty much wiped me out. And so I do want to add as well, though, that I do remember it being such a quiet day because I really didn't feel Macy's movement like all that much. And I didn't think anything of it because, you know, at an earlier stage of my pregnancy, I remember I was told that I had something that was called an anterior placenta and you probably don't remember what that means. And so just to refresh your memory, it would mean that sometimes we wouldn't feel Macy's movements as much. Not that we wouldn't feel her at all, but there was going to be moments in time where it was going to be a little bit more difficult to truly feel her moving. So I didn't have any spotting or anything weird that was happening, but I didn't think anything was wrong because I had a checkup on Friday and I kind of just decided that I would at least mention it to my doctor and that she would probably just remind me that I had an anterior placenta and, you know, that's all it was. But I was very, very wrong. Yeah, we definitely didn't know what was about to come. 
Yeah, and so that day was exactly one week from my three-day hospital stay. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, but that previous week I had been hospitalized and we spent three nights there. And that was the time that we called my mom and she, like bolted from Old Navy to come meet us and everything was fine. It was just that my blood pressure was rising. And so here we are one week later and I go to this appointment and I voiced that, you know, I hadn't really felt much of Macy's movement and, you know, we just fully expected her to tell me that it was the placenta, which is what we already knew. And so she listened to my belly for a few minutes, and I will literally never get the image of her when she looked at me with this, like, big look of concern in her eyes. And that's when she told me that I needed to head over to the emergency department right away. And I remember asking her, like, can I call my husband? Can I go home? Can I get a bag? You know, because I was Miss Know-It-All at that time. And thought that it was going to be exactly like it was the week before. Yeah, I remember when you called me to let me know that you were going to be admitted again. We just thought it would be another repeat of the week before. And so this is where our story starts to get a little bit sensitive. So earlier in the beginning of this episode, I sent out a little disclaimer stating that if there was any listeners out here with some birth trauma, PTSD to please proceed with caution. And I think that at this moment, if that falls under your category, um, this is where you might want to stop playing this because this is where things start to get a little bit graphic and just a little bit traumatic. And so this is where you were in Lawrence. And after our phone call, the plan was that you would go home from work You would take a quick shower and you would pack a bag because we just thought that I would be admitted for another three days or so just to be monitored. And so, like, remember, my mom was with me because I couldn't drive and it seemed like not much time had passed from, you know, the time that I called you to let you know what was going on to the time that I was basically being wheeled off to the operating room for an emergency C-section. And, you know, I don't even remember, were you even in the hospital when Macy was born or did all of that happen like before you were able to get there? So everything from my memory happened before I got to the hospital. I don't know if Macy was born or not. Your mom was in the parking lot, really stressed out when I was pulling into the parking lot. I walked past her making a beeline inside and she kept saying, We can't go inside, but I said, well, it's better than being here outside. So I got checked in. They knew exactly what the situation was. They told me what floor and room to go to. So I made a beeline to the elevator, but stopped because I realized maybe it would be better to wait on my mother-in-law to come walk me to the room since she was just in there. So when we got into the room... Um, I didn't know what was going on and I was pacing back and forth and your mom was freaking out. Yeah, I kind of remember the aftermath of her being like a huge mess. And so after I came out of that operating room into the recovery waiting room, which was like before they placed me in my own room, um, 
she was just crazy and I couldn't figure out what was going on because I didn't really know what the situation was. But I do want to rewind just a little bit in the story to the parts that I actually know what happened and nobody else in this situation had any idea because I was by myself. So when I went in for my C-section, um, because of the nature of it being a emergency situation, um, I wasn't allowed to have anybody in the room with me. So even if you were there in the hospital and, you know, ready to come be back there with me, I wasn't allowed to have you back there. And I think that was partially because, you know, if something was really going wrong with Macy um, and the stress overtook you, then they would essentially have like three patients to be responsible for. And I just don't think that that would have been well. So I don't think that most C-sections go that way, <laughs> you know, um, but everything just happened so fast, you know, like they gave me the spinal, um, before the procedure and once things started, I'm pretty sure that they had her out of me within like five to seven minutes, which is definitely not typical. And so after they had Macy out of me, while I was being stitched up, there was probably like, you know, 50 to 100 different medical professionals in the room. And I remember it was really loud and just really crowded and I couldn't see anything except my anesthesiologist and, you know, I tilted my head back a little bit and I was able to see that there was a clock on the wall that was above me. And um, the only thing that I remember about it was it said like 640 something. And so at that point, I heard a really loud voice across the room and the voice said, no heartbeat, start compressions. And so I kept trying to ask people around me what was happening, what was going on. And I finally reached out to my anesthesiologist and I just asked if he could see anything and tell me if Macy was okay. And he kept telling me that the room was super crowded and he couldn't see much and just that he would give me an update as soon as he possibly could. And shortly after that, um, I remember a neonatologist who was working with Macy. She approached my right side and she whispered down to me and she said, I'm really sorry, but I don't think that Macy is going to make it. And I remember in that moment, it was like not even a second later, my anesthesiologist leaned down and he asked if he could pray with me. And, you know, that moment was such a big moment in this story because um, I was not expecting him to do that. You know, there's no way that he being this complete stranger could have known that I had my faith and that I believed in the power of prayer, but it happened and it was honestly just really amazing. But he didn't stop praying until Macy took her first breath. And I'm a little bit hazy on how long that took, but I remember like we found out later on that it had taken 25 minutes or so to stabilize her. And, you know, that's just crazy to me. But every time I tell the story, I am reminded that without God, we may not have our sweet girl here today. And, you know, just like how powerful prayer really is. You know, it's something that I know I will never take for granted. Yeah, I remember being in that room and everybody kept coming in. It's like, it's not looking good. And so I kept praying to myself for good outcomes for not only 
Macy, but for Amy as well, because who knows the condition she was in. But I think God definitely helped me through that situation, including the 62-day NICU stay. I remember when Macy got transported to the other hospital where she started her NICU journey, and our youth pastor, our senior pastor, came to meet me at midnight, which was crazy in itself. Even my parents drove in from Oklahoma. When I first got into the NICU, there were a lot of people at her bedside, except for you, which you can fill them in on that part of the story. Yeah, so honestly, we had absolutely no plans of any of this happening, but it really has given us such an incredible story to reflect on and just to share with others. You know, I feel like it's a great testimony of how great our God is. Um, But just to answer the follow-up of what you said, you know, the reason that I wasn't there in the beginning of her NICU journey was just because after my C-section, I still was having issues with um, really high blood pressure. And, you know, the medical team that I had at that hospital were really concerned that if they couldn't get it to come back down, that I would either go into some seizures or that I would have a stroke. And so for the first four days of Macy's life, I was in my hospital and she was in hers. And you basically just had to bounce back and forth and divide your time between the two of us, which was really hard. Yeah, it definitely was hard because at one hospital, you have your wife and then at the other hospital, you have your daughter who, you know, could die at any point if things go the wrong way. So it definitely was hard to balance time and locations, but we made it through. My parents were there to help me that week. And for 62 days while living in the Ronald McDonald house, if I can speak, we had to, you know, commute to Lawrence every day for work. And Amy was stuck in the NICU for 12 to 13 hours a day with Macy. Well, you know, that was by my own choice. You know, I had a lot of NICU nurses trying to convince me to go anywhere else just to get up and get some fresh air for a few minutes. Um, But, you know, the way that I looked at it was my baby was fighting for her life in the NICU and that's exactly where I needed to be. And here we are now, two years later, and Macy is doing fine. She is settling very nicely into her toddler phase, which is both challenging and a blessing. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know, our life doesn't look anything like how we planned it to or, you know, how other parents with toddlers, how their life looks. But, you know, in the midst of the beauty and chaos, life really is filled with kindness, compassion and purpose. As we wrap up this week's episode, I want to say thank you to my husband for helping me unpack all of the details involved in this story. If you guys enjoyed hearing episode number two, make sure you tune in next week on Wednesday for episode number three of my show, The Amy Jean White Podcast. Until then, God bless.